last week we were, we were dealing with this whole idea of um, the turning point. And we were dealing with the resurrection. And everyone talks about the resurrection, but no one talks about what happens after the resurrection. You know, Jesus rose, and, um, and uh, without shedding the blood, there's no remission of sin. But you see, if the disciples were here, they'd tell you, after Jesus died, it was chaos. They said, now what? You know, Jesus gone. Romans, the Romans are still here. Uh, we don't know what to do. So they all got up in the upper room and they were scared and everything else. I mean, those guys were scared out of their mind. But the Lord told them, it says, you'll be scattered. It didn't just mean you scattered and happy. You'll be scattered and scared and shook up and everything else. You will be scattered. And so we wanted to um, go here and, and finish up on it when we talk about the, uh, the resurrection. And, and so we go to point of turning point two of uh, the series on it. Let's bow in prayer. Father, as we go into the text, help us understand some dynamics from it and learn from ourselves some principles that we can walk away from it. That when we are hit with some realities, some things that you, that we need to do, some things that we need to put in place, when we're hit with the realities of life. But here's what happened after the cross and after your resurrection, Lord, and you were not around for a little bit. So help us to see, help us to do the connection. And, we'll, and Lord, I'll leave it to you to help each one to see themselves wherever the case may be. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, amen. So we uh, come now to um, uh, these guys here. Can you see them pretty good, or how, how we, how you see them again pretty good? Okay. Um, and so uh, we see these disciples and what they're doing is they're, they're touching the body of Christ. And I just kind of put a statement there, the need for confirmation. And we'll, we'll talk about that because we put it into three parts here. And so as we go over this, I'll just start off with a, uh, a snippet out of the passage scripture we're dealing with. And Luke 24, 36 says, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they saw a spirit. In some passages, they saw a ghost, you know. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubt arise in your hearts? See, that's the payment. That's one of the residuals of fear. You don't have courage with fear. Courage and fear. No, no, no. Whenever you become uh, fearful, all the other things start shutting down. You, you start losing all, all the reasonable. That's why, that's why the first thing that the Lord tells us is that, uh, that perfect love casts out what? All fear. You see? And the Lord always say, fear not, fear not. Why? Because all the other things that goes along with fear uh, comes into the picture. Defining the term, turning point. A divinely appointed time when the ultimate purpose of God has been irrevocably secured to ensure the redemption of man and the awesome display of his grace and mercy. 
when, when that happened, we talked about um, last week, we talked about the fact that the moment that the resurrection took place, something was irrevocable. Before that time, you were a Jew, you were offering sheep and turtle doves and everything else. The next day, all of that will have none. So the Lord says, you don't have to do any of that anymore. Can you imagine that? Uh, that means, as far as money is concerned, says you don't have to do any of that anymore. It says, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. They did all of that, and it only covered their sins. It never washed away their sins. Jesus Christ's death on the cross went back and washed away all of the past, all of the present, and all of the future. And so this is what happened here. And, and so we, we find that this thing of law says you have to keep it. Grace says, I got it. Law says you, you pay for it. Jesus Christ says it has been paid. And that's why the Lord says, curses anyone who, had to, who, who keeps the law. Matter of fact, if you keep it, you have to keep all of it. So... I'll, I'll review, and it won't be long. Loyalty to a cause without clarity or purpose guarantees chaos and confusion. I want you to read that. I want that to get, it, get, it, get into your, uh, your spirit because this happens on an everyday basis. Let's read it together. What is it? Loyalty to a cause without the clarity of purpose guarantees chaos and confusion. Whenever... You're, you're loyal to a cause, and you don't understand the purpose, then it guarantees confusion. It guarantees confusion. And the Lord has helped me in this area now um, when it comes down to, uh, I'm thinking very seriously about changing my doctor and everything else. Um, he, he began to learn some things about diabetes, and he's doing research on it and all these other things. But he's, he's, a, he's a practicing physician. He is not a specialist in diabetes. Okay. But he wrote the book and everything else. So in my whole session, he's telling me about diabetes. Man, I didn't come to you to hear only about, uh, there's other parts of my body I want is, you know, how's this checking out? How's this, quit talking about my diabetes. I'm, I'm doing, matter of fact, I came to him with, uh, like, you know how Darius come with the um, reports and everything else? I came with all those sheets of tracking everything that had happened in my, uh, from, uh, for three months, uh, everything, for a day to day, all of it was documented in, in pie charts and everything else. I had it laid out for him. I said, here's where I'm at, and here's, here's my, my blood count. I think it was about 109 at that point. Here's my blood count and everything else. And um, do you think he paid attention to that? No, he wanted, me to, wanted to show to me about the book and everything else. I, I said, but what, you know, what about my kidneys? What, you know, what about my, <laughs> you see? Uh, so you're going to get wrapped up so much and uh, spending the money and everything else, and that's all I'm going to hear about it? Do you, you, you forget what you're supposed to be here for, okay? I, see, I'm, I'm fitting to move on to another. <laughs> because when you don't understand something, you find people getting in so much, so many different things, so wrapped up that they, that they, but they don't understand if they don't have clarity, and that's what had to happen. 
after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it was important that all of the disciples had clarity. Did you know what happened? Do you realize what happened when Jesus Christ rose from the grave? Do you know what the resurrection means? Don't, don't go back. Now, why are you guys in this room locked up and scared? You know? Do you know what this means about resurrection power? And so now Jesus Christ had to do some things. And that's why we, we, uh, we put an outline to it and we'll bring it to you. The control of the, first we looked at what was going around them. The control of the Roman Empire was still going on. The, uh, the condemning testimony of the Jewish leaders was still going on. The, crucified, uh, uh, the crucifixion of Christ had happened. The confusion and great fear of the disciples going on. Okay. The tremendous change between law and grace has happened. And so all of these things are still going on. These folks are in the room. And the Lord is bad when you spend three, almost three and a half years with these guys. And now they're at a stalemate and they won't move. How do you get them moving? How do you move a bunch of folks you have taught them and it seems like they're not, they know what to do, but they're not doing it. The process of the, the declaring the news and making the transition, they have not made a step at all. See, thought. For the momentum and effectiveness of the gospel of Christ and his resurrection, three things had to be established. Number one, there was a great need for clarity. We talked about that. There was a great need for confirmation. And then there was a great need for provision for their uh, commission. First, we want to, just as a, uh, as a review, in that phase one, the role of Emmaus, that's what we talked about last week. The role of Emmaus is when, uh, was the critical in establishing clarity of Christ's death and resurrection. Those guys were walking the opposite direction, away from Jerusalem, um, and they're saying, oh man, it's a pity things went bad and everything else. Jesus shows up, didn't even recognize him, and walked, and then uh, he would have walked past, but it was getting dark. They said, let's stop and eat, and Jesus sat down, ate with them. He ex explained to them the whole thing. When he broke the bread, all of a sudden, he let himself be known, and then he disappeared. Those guys were so, they, they were so surprised and so overjoyed. They went back to Jerusalem seven miles, about almost seven miles. They went back to Jerusalem and, uh, and told the guys, we saw Jesus. Okay. So now we had to go to phase two that we were doing with this morning. There was a great need for confirmation. Now, when we talk about this high idea of uh, uh, confirmation, now look at the reports. There's, there's, there's clarity as far as uh, Mary Magdalene is concerned. This is one who had um, about seven demons uh, in her uh, that the Lord uh, you know, saved her from. Now, when he arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been uh, with him as they mourned and wept. Now, now these are the disciples. Uh, now, they're the ones who said, who's the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And everything? They, they're, they're all locked up, mourning and weeping, okay? But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they, what are these words now? What did they say? They would not, what? Believe it. 
Here is Mary Magdalene. They know Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene had no reason to lie to them. She come back and said, Jesus rose from the grave and everything else. And they said, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. So then what happens is, from the two disciples who encountered Jesus, here, who is a, it's a seventh group. After these things, he appeared in another form to two uh, of them as they were walking into uh, the country. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found, uh, assembled the eleven and those with them. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not what? Believe them. Nobody believed. They didn't, they didn't believe the woman. Oh, you know, they could have said, well, she's a woman. That's why they didn't believe. Okay. Then you got two men. They still won't believe. What would it take to get these guys out of the room and start proclaiming Jesus Christ? The first time that Jesus Christ came on the scene, heaven, the heavens opened up, and you saw the angels proclaiming, unto us a child is born. Now the second time, God used the men that had been trained and says, now the Savior has risen and says, now guys, go. And all of them all in the room, uh, locked up, you know, and they're scared to death. Well, what they need was confirmation. And so the observation here, all of the disciples were there, and there was a mixed uh, mixture of grief, fear, doubt, two glorious testimonies, two set, ready, ready, and the feeling of failure by Peter's denial. It was a mixture of all of that. You can imagine Peter and uh, all that he was going through. Remember what I said before? Loyalty to a cause without clarity of the purpose guarantees chaos and confusion. Peter is now in the room along with them. Peter was the one that said, I'll die. He didn't die. And now he's in the room. And can you imagine what Peter was going through? He said, not only did he die and the grave is empty, and he's going through the fact, I denied him and I never had the chance to ask him to forgive me. That's why, he's, that's why it was said in one of the past scriptures, when you go back and tell, especially Peter, tell Peter. Peter, Peter needed to hear about the risen Savior. And so these, these folks, they're in this room, they're locked up, and get this now, the world is now under grace, and no one knows about it. No one knows it's a new sheriff in town that takes care of everything. But he has some deputies, if he can only get those guys out there to do something. Jesus appeared to his disciples. He immediately established the environment. It's the first thing that happened. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened. There's that word again. And thought that they saw a what? Spirit. Didn't we come across that before about seeing spirits? Uh, another passage. And Luke 24, 38, and he said to them, why are you troubled? 
And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Two, he confirmed once and for all his resurrected body not being a spirit. Luke 24, 39. See my hands and my feet, that is, it is I, myself. Touch me, see me. This is a touch and see time. This is a show and tell time. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Guess what? We shall be like who? Like him. He says, spirits don't have this. I'm not a ghost. I'm not a spirit that goes in between, between walls and everything else. I'm different. I'm the resurrected Christ. And guess what? We will be just like Christ. And so he reveals himself. He says, guys, touch me. And of course, you know the, you know the guys are, they have, to, they have to do this now. They, um, he's not saying, if you're so scared, you know, go ahead. No, he's telling them, touch me. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieve, get this now, and while they still disbelieved for joy and were, uh, were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? I'm going I'm to push this more. I need to confirm to you guys. I want you to touch me. Do you feel something? Yes, we feel it, Lord. Are you sure? Uh-huh, good. Now, to really confirm that I'm not some spirit, do you have anything to eat? So then the Lord says this to him. They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Oh, wow. He, they needed confirmation. Why was confirmation needed? Whenever you're confirmed in your mind, you set up conviction and core values. As long as you just, as long as you just memorize scriptures and everything else, and you're not confirmed in your spirit, you're not confirmed in your mind that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that he is God. There is no other God. I don't care what the world says. I don't care how many people are worshiping, whoever they're worshiping. It does not matter. God says, I'm the only one. That has to be confirmed in your heart. It's going to affect your prayer. It's going to affect your boldness. It's going to affect your walk. It's going to affect everything you do. So the Lord says, let's get this on the table now. It's called the stage of discovery. The stage of what? It's important that we make it up in our mind that regardless of what the world is saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, this is irrefutable. I don't care what your degree is. My Bible stumps all of that. Why do you think they're trying to destroy or discredit the Bible? I have over 26 versions of the Bible at home. 26. Um, and that's not all of them now. They have 26 versions of the Bible. And so that if you want to read something, that, and, uh, you can line them all up. And you can see what it says on each one of those. And... And so you have the 26 versions of the Bible, and guess what? And some of those versions of the Bible, individuals that don't believe God have put there 
parts in it. I can call the guys' names, the histories of the, of the, of the guys, and when you see these two guys' names, it's like putting a fly on ice cream, you know, a big fly on ice cream. Whenever you see these names, it's like putting a big fly on ice cream. They look for something being wrong. What they think about God, their lives, and everything else, but they're scholars, and people have listened to them. But God wants us to have firm in our hearts. Do you know that I am the resurrected Christ? Is it firm in your heart? It's not, you're not guessing on this? See, Paul says, I know whom I believe, I believe it, and, persu and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I learned, the verse, I learned that verse through the song, you know. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. I mean, just kind of brainwashed me on that. And just, I know. Not I think or I heard. I know whom I believe it. Do you believe it? He took it and ate it. Then he corrected their thinking and adjusted their sense of purpose. Just like he talked to the guys on the road of Emmaus, now here's what he's doing here in Luke 24, uh, 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. The law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And all the things that have been said about uh, Jesus Christ and alluded to about Jesus Christ in the law of Moses, uh, Psalms, the prophets and the Psalms, um, Jesus Christ says, I have fulfilled it. I fulfilled it. He opened their minds to understand scriptures. Praise the Lord. Your greatest victory is understanding the word of God. If we don't study and know God's word, you've just shot yourself in the foot. Okay. I know there's a lot of books, a lot of scholars and, every, scholars and everything else. I praise the Lord for those guys, for the work they put into it. There's some names I can throw out that guys are really good. But that does not absolve me from the fact that I need to get into the word myself. You need to get into, if you're going to, if you're going to impact lives, God has not put you here and left you here to struggle and be worried and, and tripping over everything. God left you here to impact lives, impact lives. And the thing, one, what he wants us to do that in the process of doing that is that wherever you are and whoever you're, you're talking to, um, I remember what, um, um, Roland was, um, the assignment that Roland gave about uh, how many folks you witnessed to, you know, this particular week, and how many folks you witnessed to this particular week. And I, and I started thinking about, about the, uh, the doctor. I started thinking about the uh, guy who was switching with the, tel the uh, telephone system and everything else, and he came over to the office, and um, we started talking about the telephone. Uh, next thing we know, we started start talking about his, his life. And... Um, and the church, and Jesus Christ. And it's important that somewhere, as a believer, get it in there. Get it in there. Oh, sure, you can talk business, and you can talk Jesus also. 
Um, it's how you're able to get it in there, as long as you know the word. Okay. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead. He says, guys, do you, do you get this? I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do this. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Guys, you're the guys. You're the one. The ball's in your corner. I'm not going to do it. You're going to do it. You're the witnesses. And, I, and behold, I am sending the promises of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. So, so the first thing we see is clarity. The next thing is, is it quite sure that they've been confirmed? <laughs> is it clear now that the Lord has confirmed with these folks? I'm the Messiah. I'm the risen Messiah. Do you think that those guys will back down to anything else at this point? No. They have seen and touched and talked to the risen Savior. They're willing now to die. Um, they're willing to die. Their whole attitudes now have changed. From that room on, their whole attitude have changed. There was a great need for their commission and provision. This is the last part. As we look at the great need for the, uh, the, the commission, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Whoa. You see what it said? They, they went to the mountain where Jesus Christ directed them. And guess what? Some worshipped Jesus. And some did what? Doubt it. May I make a point here that I think is very important? There's a point where you share the gospel, and if people don't listen, move on. There's a point where you share truth and everything else. Here are people who, who are looking at the Messiah, Watch him go up, and they doubt it. What else does it take? What else, what else do you do? He have explained the plan. He showed himself. He's going up, and it says, and some doubt it. What else would it take for the Lord to change their mind? But here's the, question, here's the real question. What is it that's keeping them from changing their mind? What keeps us from being all that we should be in Christ? Oh, we can talk about I'm not here and I'm not there. Okay, but why? Why, why is it that I'm not in the center of God's will? Why is it that I'm not enjoying the fellowship of God? Why is it that I'm not experiencing the peace of God. That's, we need to ask some questions like that. Why should there be doubt in my, my life? Why am I still going around in the, in the desert of confusion when the Lord has told us clearly what to do? 
And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. See, he moved on now. He's not dealing with the guy, people who doubt and everything else. He says, authority is given unto me. He says, now here's your commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And here's the promise. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says, behold, this word behold means look at this. I'll be with you to the end of the age. In these words here, I am, I am the great God. I am with you always. The term for Jehovah Shammah, God with us. See, Emmanuel is God for us. When you talk about Jehovah Shammah, God is there. God is there. He's right there. He's right there. And so he's, he said, behold, I am. He didn't say, I will be with you. You see what he says? I what? Am with you always to the end of the age. Why am I saying this? Because things are going to character builders. Don't, if you get past one, God, God has a tendency to give you some days where you're, you take a deep breath. And when, when the Lord gives you those days where he, you're able to give, take a deep breath, then enjoy it. You know, just enjoy, enjoy it. Enjoy life. You're supposed to do that. But understand, you're not home yet. Repeat that to me. I'm not home yet. <laughs> We're still in the war zone. Um, we're still in Satan's territory. You're not home yet. But the Lord says, while you're here, I don't care where you are and what you're going through, I'm with you. Don't you ever forget that. I don't care how, you, how Satan will try to make you think certain things, I am with you. But you have a responsibility. Not create disciples. Make disciples. There's a difference between creating and making. You create out of nothing. You have to make with something. You create, you make a cake. In order to make a cake, you have all of the ingredients and you make a cake. Okay? Uh, but create, all of a sudden, boom, a cake comes in, in, in position. No, you have to make that bad rascal. Okay? Don't tell me you created a cake. No, you made a cake. You took something, he says, and I want you to make disciples. And God will send individuals that you will come in contact with that I'll never meet. There are people that will believe you that I will never speak to. What impact are you making in their lives while God have you here right now? Don't worry about your circumstances. Don't worry about the pressure that you're under. All of that, God says, I got that. I can change it at any time I want to. What I want you to do in the process of it is make disciples. Make disciples. And don't worry about a number of people. Don't, don't, be, don't keep your little tablet. I, I did about 10 this week and 15 that week and the 30 that week. No, don't worry about the numbers. Just one by one. And God has a tendency to take one person. And turn things upside down. Watch, look at Paul. 
Paul turned all of Asia, just one man. What do you think you can do if you can spend your time in the life of others and making disciples? And so my prayer for each one of us is number one, be clear. I think it's very important that we are clear in our thinking. And then confirm in our hearts. And then understand our, our commission. Don't forget that whatever we're doing, we still have a responsibility to glorify God. And so, and so as we talk about this one last thing that wraps us up, three things we need to remember. Let's say it together. One, think clearly. See? Two, stand firm on the biblical principles and facts that God has given us. Think that's why I put them in a different color. Think, stand. It's important because remember, as a man thinks in his heart, what? So is he. Think clearly, then stand on the word of God. I have found that a number of times, many a times, where the Lord have really uh, given me the victory is not how smart I was, but how, how firm I stood on the word of God. And, and lastly, Stay focused on the ultimate purpose for God's plan for our life. Do you know God's plan for your life? God's plan for those disciples was not to be up in that room. The first thing he said, let's get out of this. Come on, let's get out of this room. Get, get, get out of here, you know. You still had the high priest and all the others out there. You still had the Roman government. You still had confusion and else going on. The Lord says, no, says, guess what? He didn't get involved with any of that. You still had people starving and all of the different causes you had. You still had the uh, Jewish zealots and all these things going on. The Lord says, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. What I want you guys to do, I want you to talk about the risen Savior. Savior. Why? He says, because I tell you what, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. When you listen to the issues of the day, notice what's not been said. That's carefully not been said. Jesus. You know what they say? You're being irrelevant. You're, being, uh, you're, not, you're not in tune with the time. Oh, very much in tune with the time. There are various types of generations. We talk about the. They talk about now. They talk about the millennial generation. You know, uh, the X generation. You know, they begin to put them down to the various ones and, and the various responses. My, my question is this: Regardless of the generation, what are you doing with Jesus? And if Jesus Christ is not lifted up, I don't care how energetic you are, or how conservative you are. You're failing the will of God for each one of our lives. For the word go to the disciples also means for us to go. So as we close this morning, I just wanted to just kind of lay those things before you. Yes, we talk about, we talked about uh, Resurrection Sunday, some say Easter, but Resurrection Sunday. And yes, Jesus Christ is risen, is risen indeed. And he's the one that gives me the joy and the power daily. And I trust that he's doing the same in your life. 
Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for our time together as we look at your word and as we look at the disciples. Three some odd years and it was time for graduation and they're all in the room, huddled up, scared to death, not knowing what to do. And Lord, in some of your passages of scripture, you did kind of, you did rebuke them, but as a whole, as a shepherd, as a, you knew that there'll be that, that area, but you, uh, you loved them with a tender love. And you expect us, Lord. Uh, there are times when we have a tendency to shut down. You didn't throw those guys away. You went right where they were. You clarified their thinking. You confirmed and then commissioned them. And Lord, they received the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, when a person is saved, we are, we are convicted by the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and then we can be uh, empowered or used by the Holy Spirit as we avail ourselves. We have the full package. Thank you, Lord for the resurrection that was never done in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit came upon them. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the power that we have in Jesus Christ. May our lives live the resurrected power through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In all the same sin, amen.